Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Gavaza, and for today, it is a Friday, which means we get into uh, the hard economics uh, of the week, and we are going to be talking about, you know, how do investors actually stay invested with such market volatility um, at the moment, given um, all of the macroeconomic issues that are affecting us at the moment, whether you're talking about inflation, Uh, global supply chains, geopolitical tensions. There's just so much that's going on and it is affecting markets and people do feel like uh, they, you know, can't stomach, you know, some of this volatility feeling in the moment like you're losing uh, your money. How do you stay invested? Because over the long term, um, that's when people see the returns. But before we get into uh, that discussion, we want to take uh, take a moment uh, to pay respect uh, to an economic giant who unfortunately passed away this week, and that is renowned South African economist Mike Schussler, um, who passed away, um, you know, earlier in the week. And, um, you know, he was uh, one of those commentators who was really good, um, you know, at what, uh, you know, at what he did. Um, Schussler actually founded Economists.co.za uh, um, over in 2005. And uh, on this particular platform, you know, they actually produced uh, the Banks of Economic uh, Transactions uh, Index, that is the Betty uh, that we've covered, you know, quite a number of uh, uh, quite a number of different times. We've got uh, quite an interesting piece um, out in the Financial Mail. Um, um, just around um, how um, Mike actually contributed to uh, the local economic uh, scene and to the body of knowledge. And uh, one of the one of the quotes uh, that I liked about that is when uh, it said that Mike Schussler, uh, otherwise known as the People's Economist, was able to explain in crisp language what any policy uh, decision meant at home in the grocery store and in the workplace. Um, So, you know, definitely a great piece um, to check out. And I'm just going to uh, quickly read, you know, something that's there. I was just uh, picking out uh, some of the pieces that that we had from there Uh, because um, he is said to have been, you know, uh, someone who had the rare ability to decode um, economic uh, jargon, um, sitting through uh, the noise uh, to find the stories that really mattered. Schuster was prolific in his research and ability to market uh, his own skills and as an economist uh, he consulted to the treasury uh, Daimler Chrysler uh, BP the SA Property Owners Association the Financial Planning Institute of Southern Africa the Debt Counselors Association of SA um, Capital Works and the SA Poultry Association as well as mines banks and pharmaceutical um, companies uh, so uh, very uh, sad loss especially in uh, the economic uh, community. So we decided to reach out uh, to some of uh, the people in the community that did um, know him just to say a few words um, just around how Mike um, has contributed uh, to the local body of knowledge, uh, his contribution uh, to the economy and to the econ- uh, the economic profession. And uh, we reached out first um, to Annabelle Bishop, who is uh, the chief economist at Investec, and here's what she had to say. 
I learnt of Mark's passing with enormous shock and sadness. And while he has had relief from a terrible illness, we have lost someone who's simply larger than life in the economic community. He was particularly interesting in his analysis and the way he saw facts and figures, of course, the way he unpacked them and his will be greatly missed. I first met Mike in the early 2000s when I came to Johannesburg and he was always kind, pleasant and incredibly supportive. He was someone you'd actually seek out at functions as he was an enjoyable person to chat to and of course was always very happy and pleasant to be around. He also had enormous confidence and forbearance and was a pleasure to listen to in presentations, not just for his humour and wit but for his deep insights as well. It is not possible to see how he can can entirely be replaced, but his legacy lives on in the strong work he did, particularly in the analysing of a lot of the bank serve data, which has proved enormously useful and gives incredibly good readings on the economy. Mike was always someone willing to chat and help out, someone you could always turn to if you wanted deeper insights into the areas he covered, with no problem at all. He was always incredibly accommodating and one of the most pleasant people around. You'll be sorely missed, Mike. Rest well. Thank you so much uh, to Annabelle Bishop for giving us uh, those words. We also reached out to Davi Root, who is the chief economist over at Efficient Group. Um, and uh, here's what he had to say about uh, Mike, um, his relationship and his contribution uh, to the local economic uh, fraternity. Thank you for allowing me to say a few words about about Mike. Uh, I He was not only um, a colleague, and a very much respected economist, he was certainly also my friend. I guess we met somewhere in the early 1990s. And that was a time of turmoil for South Africa at various levels. It was change, political change happening in South Africa. Um, it was a change uh, in, in, in economics, huge change in economics in South Africa. But not only that, there was also a change happening in the profession called economics. Uh, before that, economists were mostly secretive people sitting in tall buildings somewhere doing stuff that n nobody really understood uh, what they were doing. Uh, they, they also spoke in a language that nobody could understand. It was like a secretive kind of language that nobody really knew what they were doing. doing. At that time, both Mike and myself, we started our careers as economists working in a public sector. I started working at the South African Reserve Bank and Mike started working at Transnet. Uh, so we were b both basically civil servants. And during this time of transition in South Africa, we started working in the markets, as we called it, and being economists. And during this time, we had to find our feet as economists, of course, to try to figure out what we were standing for, what our beliefs were, what our um, ideological convictions were. And it happened during the time when everything was changing in South Africa. And I would like to think that that was the beginning of a time when economics became more accessible to people. And I would like to think that, that Mike and our generation of then uh, contributed a lot to really bringing economics down to the street, to where it's supposed to be, to, to people, and to make it a subject that everybody can and should be talking about without the jargon, without the high language, without all these very complicated ideas and, and terminologies. And I, think, and I think Mike contributed a huge amount to making it much more accessible to people. 
And I can remember so many evenings we spent together, perhaps drinking far too much, discussing economics and politics and assisting one another to try to understand this whole thing and try to figure out what we really believed in. Uh, um, it was not only about economics and politics. Of course, there were a lot of fun involved there as well. And we talked about music. Mike was an absolute... Um, uh, 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 he knew everything about music. And uh, we had so much fun together at all sort of levels. But Mike had absolutely no regard for for seniority or for 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 hierarchy or anything like that. Mike was a people's person. And I can remember we as young economists were invited to join a group of economists consisting mostly of of academics and some people from the Reserve Bank and from Treasury and so on. And we were the two youngest there. And all these professors and important people and many times Mike will jump out with his loud voice and he will just jump up and say, Ah, fuck this! <laughs> uh, to the dismay of everybody else present, of course. But but he was not. It, he was a, a huge guy with a huge heart. And the reason why we became so passionate and why he used words like this because he believed in this amazing subject called the economy. And he was getting really worked up and really emotional when people when he disagreed about things. But never in an aggressive way, always in an entertaining way and always in a way that, that everybody could see that he was there for 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 the journey more more than anything else. And we had some other encounters as well and some other experiences as well. Mike and myself, we started a cafe together or a restaurant together, which was a bit of a disaster. But we supported it as much as we possibly can or could and then we encountered the problems that with bureaucracies and how difficult it was to get a, a, a liquor license as an example and from then on we realized and we were absolutely convinced that the authorities or the state is quite often the reason why, why businesses cannot flourish and grow we battled to get a liquor license for our cafe as mike called it i can also remember a time when martinez von skalkwijk asked me if I would stand in the election for for the new national party somewhere in the 90s and I declined and, and I and he asked me if I can maybe if I can think of another economist that would be prepared to stand for the new national party then I called Mike and I said Mike listen there's this guy Martinez von Skalkwijk he wants to see if uh, if uh, I want to know if you would prepare to stand for a new national party <laughs> And Mike's words when I can remember those words in Afrikaans, he said, Not a folk fire I may wear. He won't fire me again, basically. And and it turned out that Martinez van Skalkberg made sure that Mike lost his job as a DJ at, at the university because Martinez van Skalkberg was the the council president at the university and Mike said something bad about the national party or religious religion or whatever the case may be. But the, the point is Mike is that guy that understood people, he had insights, and this is so important, he had insights in economics, he will get a hunch about something, if you couldn't find the data from the official normal sources, he will go and create the data, he will, he will make sure he get the data to support his specific view, and he, he, he mostly, he turned out to be right on his, on his hunch. Um, but the most, I think, the most important contribution that Mike made it made a massive contribution as as an economist in the country and it was respected by everybody everybody including the, the prof professors and the big shot people 
that, that did this in, in academia and also the people working at the Reserve Bank and Treasury, everybody, everybody respected Mike as an accomplished economist. But there's much more to him because what he did, I believe, is that he brought economics down from the ivory towers, he brought it down to the street and he made it what it's supposed to be. And that is a bright face subject. People could talk about economics and they could, and that is thanks to Mike because he made it a people's subject because in the end, anyway, economics is about people, isn't it? Thank you so much, Davi, and uh, thank you so much to Annabelle. As I said, um, you know, a very sad loss and, uh, you know, certainly going to be remembered. Um, he certainly made his mark and uh, we will continue, you know, more than likely to report um, on a lot of um, some of the indices and some of the, you know, some of the tools that he did develop over time. We now turn to, you know, a very interesting topic, you know, for on this Friday, and that is, you know, how do investors actually stay invested, you know, during uh, some of these uh, tough, turbulent times. When one looks at the stock market, um, they still say that um, when it comes to returns, especially over the long term, um, that the stock market uh, actually provides still, you know, some of the best, uh, some of the best returns. Uh, but staying invested in you know some of these markets can be very difficult especially um, if you're going through a lot of volatility one can see what's actually going on right now um, in the market Um, there's a huge technology sell-off that's going on globally some of the big companies you know where they're talking about uh, the likes of snapchat uh, that were you know you know on the up and up uh, for all of these years the likes of uh, big technology companies like Cisco uh, that uh, you know seem to just be uh, going up and up um, have been cratering at the moment but we see that and that's literally why uh, some of the the graphs that you see about uh, about returns over time you know are little ups and downs but over time you get uh, that overall trend so that's the discussion we're going to be having uh, today and you know when i was thinking about you know what do you call this topic uh, the one word that kept coming to my mind is grit uh, so yeah that's what we're going to be talking about investor grit how do you develop that and what are some some of the strategies um, that uh, can actually be instituted uh, to make sure that uh, you know people you know aren't swayed a bit too much when it comes to uh, some of the short-term volatility and to help us to you know make sense of it all and to maybe give us some of the more practical elements of how people that are invested can stay invested you know or at least make sure that um, they are growing their portfolios even through uh, some of the more turbulent and difficult times we are joined by Sam Kelozwane, who is the head of product over at FNB Wealth and Investments. So for today, Sam Kelo, um, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning to you too, and good morning to the listeners as well. Now, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I think, you know, you heard me, you know, just talking about, you know, some of the volatility and all of that. And we are going to get into um, that discussion. But just before that, um, you are the head of product at FNB, um, you know, Wealth and Investments. Maybe just a little bit uh, around your particular role, just so that we can understand the framing from which you approach, um, you know, a discussion like this. 
Absolutely. So S&P Wolf and Investment is a division of, of Best Friend, just like F&P, and it's also a subdivision of F&P in its own. So um, our role in, in the whole spectrum is to design solutions or uh, for our clients uh, in terms of investments. So we are trying to enable our clients to actually uh, save and invest in an efficient manner and for us to provide that type of information. So we've got a range of uh, solutions that we actually make accessible to our clients from them being able to trade uh, on our online stock booking platform, uh, from us being able to provide them uh, with the investments in the units trust through our different wrappers um, and uh, from us being able to provide them with portfolios whereby they can invest and uh, and, and, and have their investments grow over time so that they can secure their financial futures. So that's the role of F&B, uh, Wealth and Investments, uh, at, at a high level. And um, from a product perspective, so the responsibility when it comes to product is to ensure that uh, we actually designing solutions, firstly, that can meet our client needs. That's the first aspect. And then secondly, to ensure that these solutions are actually innovative and we're able to actually give our clients value in terms of the different solutions uh, that we're actually designing and also to ensure that they're actually accessible in an efficient manner using our strategy, which is basically digital. So you realize that, you know, we have our solutions available on the app, online, and all that. So that's the role of uh, the product uh, role uh, together with the product team. So now that we have that as background and, you know, the types of solutions uh, that you guys are trying to create, I guess we sort of understand where you're coming from. And against that backdrop, then investor grit, you heard me talking about the turbulence. Um, and at the moment, people are experiencing a lot of volatility in different sectors of the market. And um, people are likening this to what happened, uh, you know, during the, um, what do you call this, during the property crash um, of uh, 2008 that caused uh, the global financial crisis and the like, um, because we've had two years um, of, you know, very unusual um, economic activity and all of that is now being exacerbated by what's going on you know whether you're talking about russia ukraine um, inflation fuel prices all of this stuff is affecting uh, the markets because it's cyclical right and it's all intertwined interest rates go up in one end investors decide okay we're gonna go and invest in something else all of these things are intertwined um maybe you could characterize for us the market um you know that we're in and possibly you know is this I don't know how else to ask this question, but uh, I guess the question that people always ask is, you know, with everything that's going on, should I really be uh, staying invested or would I rather uh, be moving my money around to try and find uh, the best returns for myself? So it is very, very important uh, uh, for our listeners to understand that we are in a, a, an environment whereby there's a lot of volatility in the market and there's a lot of investor sentiment driving that volatility. And uh, there's a couple of things which are leading to that volatility. And uh, I mean, the U.S. is one of, you know, uh, it's probably the biggest market whereby when it sneezes, everybody else catches a cold. And at the present moment, what you're actually seeing out there is that uh, the U.S. is trying to actually fight inflation. And um, uh, inflation has risen to about 8.5, you know, percent at the present moment. And uh, 
uh, the Fed is actually fighting by actually increasing the interest rate. That is coming up with other, you know, effects. You know, the increase in the interest rates then raises other things in the market. You know, first and foremost, you know, it's associated with a slowing economy. So they expect the economy to slow down. So if the economy is slowing down, now a decision has to be made. Do you invest in, you know, growth stocks, which are actually uh, take, you know, their value out of a rising economy and an increasing economy, or do you invest in value stocks, which are much more stable, you know, they've got, uh, you know, much more stable fundamentals and their value is not affected by, you know, uh, these big cycles in the market. So that's what we're seeing that's happening in the U.S. and what's what's spilling over to other global markets. And then the Russia-Ukraine effect, whereby, you know, we're seeing the Russia-Ukraine war uh, and, and, and which is affecting the supply of oil, which is actually affecting, you know, uh, the price of oil rising up and everybody, you know, and most of the economies are relying on that. That's creating a lot of uncertainty in there. The companies that are trading in, the, in oil, you know, the investors as well as the consumers who actually use, you know, uh, uh, oil, you know, for traveling and, um, and people use oil, you know, to power, you know, you know uh, their, uh, their companies. So that's having that spiral effect. That's bringing a lot of uncertainty in the companies in terms of their valuations, in terms of their expected returns. Because remember, the valuation of the company is actually based on the expected, you know, earnings uh, uh, that the company is going to make over the long time. So that's affecting those companies. That's bringing some volatility in terms of that market. Uh, it's, it, it, it's affecting the way things are happening. And then, you know, we can't help with COVID-19 as well. There's a lot of uncertainty around it, you know, pharmaceutical companies, you know, traveling agencies, the closing down of economies, you know, people cannot travel and all that. All that type of uncertainty is actually coming in in the market in that, you know, if you're invested in a traveling, you know, a company, you're not sure if, you know, traveling is going to be closed down. You know, that's going to affect the innings of the company and the valuation. And that's the stuff that's bringing about the volatility in the market and all that. However, very, very important is that you know, this is something that happens from time to time. The markets actually do experience extreme volatilities now and again. You know, we talk about the 2008 financial crisis. And, and they, we actually saw a lot of volatility coming in in the market. We talk about the tech bubble. We saw a lot of volatility coming into markets, you know, markets tanking and then picking up again. We talk about the Asian crisis that we also saw as well and the, the markets crashing and all that. And then the other part of the question was, should people actually stay invested given the type of volatility that you are actually experiencing right now in the market? And the answer there is definitely, you know, uh, what uh, investors need to understand is that investing in the stock market is actually a long-term prospect. So when you invest in there, you're investing more for the long-term rather than, you know, the short-term. And as you invest in the stock market, you need to understand that there's going to be short-term volatility in the market. And that volatility will be driven by a number of things, you know, the number of economic factors uh, which are affecting you. So that is taken into account when you're actually investing in a particular, you know, in, in the market. However, there are design principles that come in with, you know, investing in the market such that, you know, you are able to handle this type of volatility. I mean, one of the biggest factors is the fact that you need to actually have a diversified portfolio. So by diversification, you're actually having in your portfolio instruments or asset classes as well as sectors 
that counter each other in terms of movement. Now, when the interest rates are moving in one direction, you find that your stock is not very sensitive to that particular movement and it's actually stable. Or when, uh, um, when inflation is moving in a particular direction, you find that you're probably in a stock that's actually uh, not actually sensitive to the inflation movement. So it's very, very important that your stock is actually diversified. Diversification uh, across the different sectors, you know, retail, uh, diversification to financials, diversify into the different sectors because the different sectors get affected by these economic variables in different ways. So interest rates, uh, inflation, and uh, 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 global growth affect those different stocks in different particular manners. And so these sectors in different particular manners. So it's very, very important that you know that your portfolio has got good diversification in that regard. You diversify in geographical terms. You know, you have stocks in China, you have stocks in Asia, you have in Africa, emerging markets and all that. So that also helps to actually in, uh, increase the type of diversification that you're seeing in your stock, in your portfolio, and how to cushion you against the long, uh, 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 that diversification. So one thing that you need to know for sure is that investing in the market is going to come with that short-term volatility, but that short-term volatility over the long term is going to actually enable you to actually experience higher returns in the long run. So with all of that uh, in mind then, uh, Samkelo, um, I'm very curious to maybe understand when you look at the reality on the ground, uh, because obviously uh, from, a, from a theoretical point of view, it's nice to say uh, that people should stay invested. Um, and it's nice to say that over the long term, yes, you will see those returns. But um, at a particular time, you know, there's emotions that are kicking in right now. I'm curious to just get a sense um, you know, maybe just testing the pulse here of what actual clients are concerned about right now. Are they selling? Are they asking uh, people like yourselves whether it's time to get out of the market? You know, what are their actual concerns right now? Uh, you know, is it about uh, the volatility? You know, do they feel like, um, uh, you know, is, you know, should I keep my money in there or rather, you know, I actually just need money on hand because life is really expensive. Can I just put my money out now because I need to pay school fees, I need to pay rent, all of these things. What are the actual concerns on the ground? The, the clients have got different concerns and, and they're based on the different stages uh, in terms of their uh, life cycle. So you realize that some clients are actually starting off in terms of saving and uh, they don't have families and uh, they don't have a lot of liability in that regard. Other clients are starting off getting a family and they're saving towards education, they're saving uh, towards retirement as well. Other clients are actually approaching retirement and uh, they are actually a year or two from retirement and uh, their concerns are different. So, you know, clients have got all these different concerns and, and based on the, uh, where they are in terms of their uh, life cycle. And, um, and, and it's affecting them in different ways. Clients who are about to retire, they don't want to lose, you know, the amount of money that they've saved you know, over the last 20 to 35 years. So they are more concerned about, you know, will I have enough time, you know, for me to recover uh, if the markets actually tank. Clients who are actually uh, at the early stage of their lives are just saving to go for a vacation. They want to know that, you know, will their money uh, be available for them in the next couple of months when they need to take that particular vacation. And other clients are also worried that, you know, you know, I'm saving for the long term, but, you know, my money is already, you know, going down. What should I actually be thinking about? And then, you know, for the clients, it's different messages that you are actually putting up there to, uh, for them. You know, the first one is, uh, first and foremost, is that 
you know, when you're invested in the stock market, especially if your goal is still further away, we encourage you to actually ensure that you have a diversified portfolio such that you're able to actually cushion yourself against such, you know, market turmoil. That's the first thing. Then the second thing is to ensure that you stay invested. So when you stay invested, you make sure that you actually do benefit from the market correction over the long term. We spoke about the different, you know, uh, financial crisis uh, that has happened in the in the past. Your financial crisis, agent crisis. What you've seen is even if the markets do tank, they do actually rebound. Even though we cannot actually time the rebound, however, they do actually get back. And then when they get back, they actually even go higher than their previous high. So that's why we say if you're actually invested for the long term, stay in it. Get, make sure your portfolio is diversified and the markets do eventually actually correct themselves and they actually rise and then make sure that you actually benefit from the return. The other very important thing that we say to our clients is that if the market has actually dropped and your, your stock price has dropped, when you sell, when the uh, stock price is at the bottom, you're basically locking in the losses. Why do I say that? If you actually bought at 100 and then the market drops to 80, the next day and you sell at 80 you are locking in that 20 uh, rand drop you've lost 20 rand but if you bought at 100 and the market drops tomorrow to 80 and then in the next two or three months the market increases to 120 then you've actually stomached the short-term volatility in the market and you've managed to gain which is in line with the asset class that you're in which over the long term it's going to actually have an increase in value so we're encouraging our clients to actually stay invested and we're actually taking them through this journey by explaining what is actually happening at the present moment. And the way that we're designing the portfolios is based on their particular circumstances. Those who are about to retire, they've got very less, much smaller exposure to volatile, you know, asset classes like equities. They're more into cash and bonds. And those who are actually further away from their goals, they are more into the equities and bonds, uh, equities. And those, we're actually encouraging them to actually stay invested and understand what's happening in the market and also learn from what happened in the past in terms of the market. All right. So as we're sort of coming um, to the end of this discussion, uh, Samkelo, I'm I'm really... I'm glad that you are, you know, talking a lot about um, you know, what's actually going on in the market, the concerns uh, that people have on the ground, and also um, just explaining that little bit about uh, actually locking in um, losses versus um, stomaching some of that short-term volatility. We've spoken, you know, quite a bit uh, about the stock market, you know, throughout this discussion, and understandably so, because um, at the moment that's where we're seeing uh, the most volatility. Uh, but uh, that's probably not the only, I guess, area uh, that people are invested in, um, you know, at the moment. Um, is there any other, you know, are, are people this hysterical about any other markets or for now, is it all about, uh, you know, what's going on in the stock market? Because I, I'm sure that people are invested in other areas, you know, such as, um, you know, such as your your bonds, for example, and such as your property. Absolutely. And uh, I'm actually excited that you actually raised that because, you know, as the economic variables are actually moving, they affect the different asset classes in different ways. 
we do have clients who are actually invested in cash. They're actually sitting in cash. And your question would be, why are those clients actually sitting in cash? That client might be sitting in cash simply because they actually um, um, are about to get to retirement or they are already in retirement. They want to actually use that cash to draw down income whilst they're in retirement. And uh, they probably um, um, have that cash there because they probably have a goal that they want to actually buy something in the next couple of months and they need their liquidity and so they have cash. So when interest rates go up, like uh, we are currently seeing right now, those clients are actually excited because they're actually going to earn more interest out of that asset class. So for them, it's actually an exciting time because they're earning more interest. And those who are drawing down income, the interest that is coming out of that capital is, is giving them additional income. So we do see some of the clients who are sitting in cash, they're actually, they're actually sitting in a happy position. It's a, it's a higher interest means you know there's higher uh, uh, returns for them. And then we've got clients as well, who are actually sitting in um, uh, in, in, in in property, as you mentioned, and then the the other aspect about property is the challenge with property is that most property is financed or so it's mortgaged. So those clients are actually in a situation whereby you know. Uh, if they're sitting on a property portfolio, a property company portfolio, they actually realize that the company is actually uh, in debt and so the value of that debt is increasing, which means reducing the fundamentals of that property company and therefore the value valuations of those property stocks is actually lower. So if you're holding that stock, then you're worried that my valuation is actually lower. But for people who are actually coming in, it's actually an exciting time for them because now it's actually an opportunity for them to buy whilst the stocks are actually at a lower point in time. So you can see that different clients sitting in different positions, they're approaching these asset classes differently. If you're invested in it, you're worried that you know the valuations are lower. But if you're actually wanting to invest in that asset class, you are actually happy that you know, uh, it's actually valued lower now. I can actually get it at a lower price. And uh, and then uh, and, and 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 my returns will be realized sooner than uh, than expected. And then you have you know clients who are actually sitting on you know preference shares. You know preference shares is similar to um, um, you know a, a stock uh, sitting on a share. However, it's just that your dividends are actually uh, fixed and they are linked to price. Those clients are actually excited because now you know they're going to get higher you know dividends you know in that regard. You know the interest that they're going to get is much higher because it's linked to prime. And, and all that. So the different asset classes are affected by the economic variables in different ways. Uh, so we do see, you know, that clients who are actually sitting in the different asset classes they are affected in different ways. Even even in the equity space, you know, the clients who are sitting in, the, you know, the, the retail sector, you know, which is now being affected by the higher interest rates. So there's less disposable income for people, you know, because of the increase in interest rates and, and, and all that. They have to service higher bonds, higher uh, mortgages, uh, higher car repayments. You know, there's less disposable income to actually spend in retail and consumables, and so those are actually facing a, a tough time in terms of you know uh, the stocks that they are sitting in because now the valuations are lower. Um, but um, 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 some stocks, you know, are, are actually more defensive in in this particular instance. They are not sitting on a lot of debt, and uh, they they are actually uh, their goods are more required at this point in time. And those stocks are actually doing well. So sitting on the different types of stocks, which talks back to our diversification, different types of stocks, different types of asset classes, different sectors is helping the clients to actually have a more balanced portfolio and they're able to stomach, you know, uh, this volatility as uh, over the long term.
Stomaching the volatility over the long term. Uh, that's us. We were talking, uh, we were talking to Sam Kelozwane, uh, who is the head of product over at FNB Wealth and Investments, giving us uh, some of the strategies, um, that investors can actually employ. Uh, because a lot of the time you've got your institutional investors, we've got your retail investors. And I think for today, um, you know, a lot of what is being spoken about is uh, specifically, uh, for retail investors, because at least um, you know, institutions understand what's going on and you've got investment professionals that have been in, in the game for a while. Uh, but for, you know, for the rest of us uh, that are either that are either getting into the market, uh, like what some killers talking about, you know, the people who have that buying opportunity at the moment because of some of the depressed, um, you know, stocks and different sectors. Um, you know, there's a lot, you know, that needs to be learned along the way. And there's a lot of grit that needs to be developed in terms of stomaching, you know, all of that volatility. You feel like you are losing money in the, in the moment, but you know, over time, it could even be a couple of months or a couple of years you see yourself you know making those returns but how do you make sure that in the moment you stay invested so you know very interesting discussion and we look forward to chatting to you again so thank you so much uh samkilo for being with us today thank you to you and thank you to the listeners as well this is mudiwa's take Great discussion there with uh, Sam Kelo just uh, around what's going on in the market. And I think um, it's a very important discussion to have simply because um, we are at that stage where a lot of people are trying to find ways uh, to be growing their money because life is expensive um, at the moment. And because life is expensive at the moment, there is the real reality uh, that people might actually feel like, no, um, I can't be staying invested, let's say, um, in the market because you know my money i could rather be doing something with it right now um that is a real thing that people are currently dealing with uh but like what we said you know over the long term and by long term you know we're talking longer than a longer than a couple of weeks longer than a couple of months longer than a couple of years even and when one thinks about the likes of warren buffett um who have been uh, invested in certain companies you know for over 30 years uh for example that's when you see you know some of these returns really coming through but developing that grit um is on is honestly not an easy thing and like i said because of the pressures that people are feeling today and uh, i guess it also just depends on the type of opportunities uh, that uh, people are seeing in the market a lot of people don't even have um, the money at on hand or at least feel like they don't have the money on hand because there's so much pressure um, that is um, that is affecting them to actually even be um, invested in the market so on, over the long term we do hope that people do stay invested and like uh, some killer said um, you know for some it is probably a good opportunity to get into the market at a lower rate because you know you do you are able to get um, invested in some of the really good stocks and counters um, at lower prices and then start making those gains um, over time but obviously this is not a short-term game it's a long-term game and um, people should just at least be encouraged that this is one way uh, that people 
people can um, can actually invest in one way that people can actually uh, build some of their wealth but outside of the stock market there are still other asset uh, asset classes uh, that people can invest in and the best thing um, that one can do just you know go out there do your research you know see what's actually going on and make uh, the decisions out there the investment professionals would say you know at least take the emotion out um, you know when you make some of those decisions And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.